Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Wow. So to be fair, I said yes to preaching before I said yes to moving. I didn't mean for this to be a farewell, but here we are. I also tried to get out of the preaching, but I was told no. So have you ever had to wait a really long time for something that you wanted? Yes. It was 13 years ago that I first asked my loving husband, Greg, for a dog. That is 13 birthdays, Christmases, 13 anniversaries where I was expectantly, hopefully looking for a box that made sound and never came. I am happy to introduce you to Gracie, the dog I bought myself. (laughs) Waiting can be really hard. So we're in the middle of a year where our theme has been arise. And every time I hear that arise, for me, it's arise and go. Lazarus, come out and Peter, follow me, and it's an invitation that requires immediate action. Except for when it doesn't. When the call is followed by a period of waiting. So I was 22 when I first felt the stir of a call on my heart. I was driving down the road from Southwestern University in Texas back to Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it hit me. Now, I thought I was a late bloomer. I thought this was, you know, I I thought the, the calling train had passed me by. Because even up to my senior year in high school, I still had no idea. Now, we're coming to the end of a school year, so those of you who are getting ready to be seniors in high school or academy, let me prepare you for something. The entirety of your senior year, that is all anybody will ask you. Where are you going, and what are you going to major in, and what is the rest of your life going to be? And I'm like, I don't know. My whole senior year, I had no clue what I was going to do until... My math teacher at the time asked me, hey, Gina, would you be willing to substitute in this freshman algebra class? And I said, okay, don't know, don't know why you would trust me with that, but sure. So I went and I taught algebra for a week and I realized, oh, I can do this. And then I have a very pragmatic way of approaching life. And so I said, well, if I can do this, people are always gonna need 
somebody to do this. I bet I'll always have a job. So then I show up at Union College, ready to register, and I declare myself a math education major. Not a calling, but definitely something that I felt confident about. So fast forward four years, I'd gone through all of the student teaching and the courses and everything I needed to do. And my mentor at the time, Pastor Rich Carlson, who's the chaplain at Union College, offered me a job not teaching math, but instead to help him with a research project that had been on his mind. So I accepted the job and for two years, I traveled around to the 13 colleges and universities across North America to study what made campus ministries successful. And it was fascinating. We didn't find what we thought we were gonna find, right? We thought if they had a bigger budget, that would probably make a difference. Or we thought that if they had um, a certain structure or maybe specific kinds of programming that would differentiate the more successful from the less successful. And that's not at all what we found. Instead, we found that the campuses that empower students as leaders, and then equip them with the tools and the resources that they need to be successful as new leaders, they found more success. So that's actually what I was doing down at Southwestern. I had, we had discovered all these findings and I was down there to present them. And on my drive back, I said, this is it. This is what I was born to do to find ways to help leaders and organizations solve their big problems. And then immediately, and I remember this distinctly, in my car, it was a 2001 Corolla, thinking, ha that's funny. Nobody will ever pay you to do that. So that's a cute hobby that you wanna have, Gina, but there's no way that's going to be a part of your main life. I just couldn't see. I couldn't see a path from where I was to where I felt this calling pulling me to. Have you ever felt that way? That God's call is too big or it's too mysterious or it's too dangerous for you to accomplish? In fact, if you have ever felt that way, we are in good company. Because across the Bible, you hear stories of people who felt a call and it just felt impossible. I think of Sarah. Sarah, it literally says in the Bible, she laughed at God's plan. Because there's no way that this will ever happen. Jonah ran in the opposite direction. Gideon said, no, prove it to me again. Jacob couldn't wait and he stole a blessing. Peter denied Jesus and even Lot's wife looked back. All of these stories of people who had a calling placed on their lives and said, I don't know about this. So what do you do? What do you do when you feel the stirring, but you can't imagine how to go from where you are to where you wanna be? To where God is calling you to be. Have you ever felt like you're in the waiting? Like you have the degree, but you don't have the job. Like you want a family, 
but it's not your time. You have that diagnosis, but you haven't gotten the all clear. All of us spend periods of our lives in the waiting. I look to stories in the Bible for strength to live my day every day. And for this, I think about the story of David. David was 15 years old when Samuel anointed him as the one who would become king. But David was not crowned king until he was 30 years old. And he lived in the waiting. That's a long time to wait. So I get asked regularly, as I'm sure you're already wondering, how in the world did somebody who teaches math find her way into a role where I've had the privilege of leading the Leadership Institute at Avent Health for the last four years. It's really entertaining when students say, come to me and say, hey, Gina, I think I wanna do what you're doing. How did you get there? And I get to tell them, well, guess what? I was a math major and they're like, oh, that's not what I was hoping for. <laughs> so I get asked this question a lot I want, to, I want to tell you my story, not as a blueprint, but hopefully to spark hope for those of you who feel that you're in the waiting. But before I do that, there's two things that I have to get on the table as a premise. One, when I get asked this question, I say, I can tell you the story, but any version of the story that gets condensed and is told with the end as a reality I think really undermines what it actually felt to walk the path, right? If you asked King David, what was the time like between now and when you were king versus if you asked soldier David what it was like to hide in that cave? Because there are times when we can feel so far from where we believe God has intended for us to be and we don't know our way out. So I'm happy to share this story, but let's keep in mind that there were many, many times and places where I found myself where I didn't think I would ever be able to call my calling also my profession. The other thing is when people ask me the question, how did you get from here to here? It assumes that I was meant to be here, that I was meant to be a math teacher. Well, I feel functionally like I was a math teacher, yes. But I started studying and being fascinated by leadership and organizations back when I was 18 and I got my first book on the subject and I couldn't get enough. So it's not that I was a math teacher through and through who eventually found my way into something else, but it's that I was always pursuing the calling of God and he directed my path. So it's not a, how did I flip the switch, but how did I continue to live into who God always intended for me to be? So after two years of working with Pastor Rich traveling around, it was time for me to have what I lovingly refer to as my wilderness experience. I got a job at a very small little school in Vermont and I moved there. And I knew within the first few weeks that, oh goodness, this is not where I'm intended to be. 
In fact, I would drive to school, I would get there, I would teach all day, I would go home and I would open up the leadership book that I had bought that weekend. Or I would sign myself up for a conference, not to get better at teaching, but to get better at leadership. And I act like I didn't see the signs, right? About three weeks into the school year, I asked my principal, I know you've given me this study hall that's supposed to be a planning period for me, but what would you think if I changed it to a class on leadership development? And she's like, Gina, you want more work? Is that, that, that's what you're asking for? I decided about halfway through first semester, it was time for me to go and get a different degree to hopefully redirect my path. I moved home to Kansas City and I started working as an intern. Remember, I was 26 years old, a fully-fledged adult working as an intern so that I could go to night school and work on my org development degree. So when I say I was an intern, I have to paint the picture. I was literally in a broom closet. I know people like joke about that, like, with hyperbole. No, no, no. I was in a closet that they had put like a little table with my desktop computer on it. And there were brooms against the wall next to me. And every once in a while, a janitor would open the door and be surprised to find somebody in there trying to get work done. So that's what I spent three months doing. And then after that, I was unemployed for six months. And then after that, I became a temp working three hours a day for a pharmaceutical company doing their HR offer letters. But at night, I was taking classes about how to diagnose organizational challenges, how to create interventions to get people from here to where they wanted to be. I was learning about how to create change. And during the day... I eventually became a part-time substitute teacher for third and fourth grade math. It was not glamorous. The last job that I had while I was in school, get ready for this, I was a documentation specialist for an actuarial software company. So do we know what actuaries are? They're the math nerds that do all the calculations for insurance companies to make sure they have enough money to cover all the lives. So the people who become actuaries were math majors who then went to more math school and then passed a whole bunch of math tests. And then the people who came to my company were people who had done all of that and then gone to get a computer programming degree so that they could write software about the math. Can you imagine the people that I was with every day? Do you? Do you have that in your mind? No? There were times that I would go into my cubicle, sit in my cubicle for eight hours and not have one human interaction, not a phone call, not an email, not a text message. It was me with my computer screen. These were the wilderness moments. I did not know where my life was gonna go and how in the world this call that felt so silly on my heart would ever be true. And it was in the middle of that, that my then husband of, we had been married for about six months, decided we needed to move to the thriving metropolis of Berrien Springs, Michigan. 
Now, if you've never been there, some of, it sounds like some of you have, but if you have not been there, Berrien Springs had one stoplight, and while we were there, they put in a second one. They, you're going to be shocked to hear that they had no openings. I checked the, I checked the posted, the wanted ads. There were no openings for somebody who had just gotten their master's in organizational development. So what did I do? I went and taught math there. So I was teaching calculus and statistics, even though I had gotten this new degree. And that's about the time when you all come into our story. So Greg and I lived up there for three years, and then he received a call to come and be the youth pastor here at what was then the Florida Hospital Church, now is the Whole Life Church. We moved here, and it's, I started looking for jobs long before we got here. And I put my foot down. I said, I have moved my teaching license from Nebraska to Vermont to Kansas and to Michigan, and I'm not going to do it. I am going to try to find something else. And eventually, the Advent Health IT department gave me a call. Not quite exactly what I was hoping for, but it was at least a step in a different direction. So I was an organizational change management analyst, which meant whenever we were getting ready to take a group from this computer system to that computer system, I helped the leaders know how to lead the change. So even though I had a job description to fulfill, which I fulfilled, on the side, I would buy leadership books and get together with the leaders who were trying to make this change happen and have study groups and and book clubs and things that I'm sure if my boss knew I was doing, he would have said, that's not in your job description. Very similar to the principle I had back in the day. So I wonder how David felt when he finally got to go visit his brothers. You know, he had this anointing, this call on his heart, but yet he was still tending the sheep. And life felt pretty much the same as it had before. And he shows up and he defeats Goliath. I can only imagine that he must have thought, this is it. This is my big break. I have shown my strength The people will rally around me. I will soon be king. But nothing happened. He got a job in the king's court. He eventually got thrown out of the king's court. He was nowhere closer to realizing his calling than he was in the field. So what do we do? When we have this time to wait when we know where we think God is moving us toward, but yet we are not making progress in that direction. What do we do? The truth is Jesus had a waiting period too. We learn a little bit about how he was at 12 when he ran off to be with the priests. But then we only hear one verse about the time from when he was 12 to when he stepped into his ministry. And it's found in Luke 2, verse 52, where The Bible simply says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. He grew mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. 
It may have been an 18 year waiting period, but he used that time for growth. The truth is David needed to grow too. When he was appointed or anointed king, he was used to being a man unto himself, alone with his herd, defending them from all sorts of things. And it was just him and his reliance on God. The truth is I believe these waiting periods as we're trying to grow holistically are meant to even out the flat spots that come with us. So for David, somebody who was self-reliant, he needed to learn what it meant to live and lead in community. He learned how to build friendships and that together a force can do more than one can alone. Now let's flip it and think about Moses. Moses had a very interesting and opposite waiting period. In fact, Moses grew up in the palace and his waiting period, he was sent to 10 sheep. So he knew the life of luxury and he knew how to organize big groups of people, but he didn't know the still quiet voice of God. So this waiting is about our growing. So the research talks about this too. You may have read a book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. She explores these people who overcome and achieve things that are untouchable to the rest of us. And she describes it as it being a combination of passion plus perseverance. In my Christian worldview, I see that as a call plus the waiting. How do I nurture the flame that God has placed in my heart over time so that when it comes to realization, I am ready? I discovered over the years that the initial spark that I felt that day in that Corolla could be built into a flame. So some of us might think of this waiting time as I just need to be patient and I just need to wait my turn and I'm just gonna stand in this line. But I believe that the waiting is an activity that is holy and divine. So when I think about David in his story of waiting, it started with a, I'll kill Goliath. And later we hear in the Psalms where he said, to be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper and their wicked schemes. I see an evolution in David. The let me go versus let's wait on the Lord. In fact, many times in the story of David in the waiting, he could have risen up with the army that was loyal to him and overthrown Saul's kingdom. There were many times that he could have actually taken Saul's life himself and claimed the throne. But instead, David learned to wait. In Isaiah 40, 31, that Danny read for us this morning, it says, but those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So let me ask you, are you in the in-between? 
Do you find yourself in one or more areas of your life feeling like, what is this waiting for? Have you felt the spark and you're waiting for the fulfillment? For me, waiting has become a part of my worship experience. I know that there are times in my life where I will not understand why it's not happening faster. Why he's not showing up the way I expect him to show up. But it's in the waiting that I learn about who he is and how I need to grow. I also believe that we are all in a bigger waiting period. We're waiting for life to get back to normal. And we're also waiting for Jesus to come again. But this waiting is not the end. The waiting is full of purpose and energy. For some people, the call happens exactly when they're expected to move. But for the rest of us, the calling is sometimes followed by waiting. And I believe that that's exactly where God wants us to be. Thank you. Hi, Ken. Hey, Gina. <laughs> How's it going? Awesome. I, I got a nice week to sit back and listen to a good sermon. And I know. If you're here, why aren't you there? I oh, don't it's understand. amazing. It's amazing. I love this. this it's is, awkward. This is one of my favorite things that our church does is uh, listening to uh, sermons from our members because, you know, it's not, it's not just the uh, senior pastor who has important things to say. So um, really, yeah. You got a really loud. That was a little loud. too loud, Atara. <laughs> a little too loud. Thank that you. was very enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. And that's all right. You know, you're a... Uh, your sermon actually uh, had a lot of people thinking, and we've received some comments. I'm just going to read a couple of the comments um, from the Fitzgerald family. It said, the struggle between striving for growth and finding joy and contentment mm. with where you are is real. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of us could resonate with that. By the way, if you have a question or something you ask, ask Gina, uh, get it in quick. You can uh, do it on our website or on one of our social media platforms, and, uh, and I'll ask her the question. Um, I thought uh, Ron had a, a great uh, a quote from the philosopher Tom Petty, um, the waiting is the hardest part. Um, but uh, Jose, Jose had a, a good question. He said, yeah. certainly there is a difference between our profession and our calling. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. <laughs> is there a difference between our profession and our calling? Absolutely. I think it's amazing when we can get out of bed every day and go to work that we find meaningful and purposeful and heartfelt. But there's also a lot of us that our calling is so beyond what we could ever have vocationally. I think sometimes um, we think about who we are on the public stage and who we are on a private stage. But I think, I think God's call is different for each of us. He says he makes some of us teachers and preachers and hosts and whatnot. So I think it's amazing when we can say, I live a calling and my calling is bigger and broader than anything that I do today or I do for a job. But gosh, it's exciting when I can do both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. love it. You know, I think that sometimes, um, don't you think that we, uh, we tend to box in the way that God can call us to do things? I mean, we, we talk about teachers, we talk about preachers, there's so many other vocations, so many other callings out there that 
that are real callings. Yeah. I, I know that I, I tease people in the journalism department when I was in college. It's like, how are you going to do that and be, you know, be a Christian? Yet I found myself doing that for a while and, yeah. and, and felt very much like it was a calling, a part of my life at that yeah. point. So Anna asked a question, how do you balance your professional calling mm. and the calling of your family? Mm. Me personally or just sort of hypothetically? You know, Anna didn't tell me <laughs> okay, which one it cool. was, so I want to let you go with whichever you prefer. Well, I can only talk about myself. I feel like there's a conversation that every family has and you have it over and over and over again. What kind of family do we want to intentionally build? And what are the things that are going to go into that? And I don't think that we can ignore that families thrive when there is more, when there's a stable income from people working. So there's the working lever that you have to pull to actually make your family function. So it's a fun conversation that Greg and I continue to have about when have I stayed home full-time or part-time to make the family that we want to have? And when does he stay home full-time or part-time to make the family that we want to have? So I think it's really about having those conversations and following God's call, right? And, and God's call can be seasonal, it can be cyclical, or it can be one long path. But I think leaning into who he is and who he's called you to be and the family that he's called you to raise, I don't think it's one or the other. Yeah, yeah, very good. You know, I think one of the parts that really resonated with me was when you talked about the wilderness. Mm. And I think that a lot of times, um, like you were you were mentioning, we like to get to the happy part, the happy part, the, the, happy <laughs> the part, finish the, line. The finish line. But the wilderness can be a calling too, can yeah. it, for a while? Yeah. Um, and what would you say to somebody who was in the wilderness right now? Mm. What would you tell them? That they, what, would, what advice would you give and what would you say to them? Well, one, I don't actually know if we know that we're in the wilderness until we're not anymore, because sometimes the wilderness feels like it stretches on and on, and it's just life, right? Um, so I think spending your time sitting in wherever God has brought you in this moment in time, while also asking him, where are you taking me? Where are you guiding me? And where are you calling me? I think wilderness experiences, I once, I, my wilderness seemed to stretch on, especially in that actuarial job <laughs> that I had. I never saw sort of an end in sight. Um, and it's okay because you sit in those moments and you ask, what can I learn? How can I serve? What is this moment? And how are you going to show up? And how do you need me to show up? I think that's the best that we can do. I think sometimes, I know I was guilty of pr trying to pray the wilderness away yeah. and, and get to the end sort of faster. Yeah. Um, but then when you're out of it, you can have such a different perspective on the benefit that you gained being in that incubation time, being in those moments that didn't make sense then. Gosh, they make such, such perfect sense when you see it in hindsight or you see it from a higher vantage point, when you look at what is God doing with me right now, as opposed to what do I want to be doing right now? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, uh, if you didn't have a chance to get your question in, but you still have one, please do submit them. Uh, we, we have a podcast every week. Uh, this is Whole Life. You can get it uh, anywhere you can find podcasts. And Gina's uh, kindly going to be joining Randy for that podcast this week. So it's not too late if you want to send in a question. But Gina, I do feel like there was one question from First Service that I feel like I, I have to ask again because it was such a good question from a uh, one of our, our viewers, one of our often... Times uh, puts in questions. His name is Greg, and he said, "You mentioned it was worth the wait for the dog love of your life, and also worth the wait for the vocational love of your life. Can you give us a short, maybe seven to eight hour story about the wait for the love of your life and whether it was worth it?" Yes, actually, let's start that right now. So buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Greg and I do a very fun dual storytelling where I have to correct all the ways that he thinks the story went and I get to tell it the correct way. So see us after the service if you want to hear that story. Was it worth the wait though? It was absolutely worth okay, the wait. Okay, we, we can get that part. Well, Gina, we, we appreciate what you've shared with us. And I actually at this time would like to invite Gideon, if you're here, if you'd like to come up front, um, if you wouldn't like to, you know, I'm not going to make you, but I'd like to invite Greg and uh, Gideon and, and Gina to, to come here. Um, as I'm new, like some of you are new and, and never had the, the honor of uh, working directly with you, Greg, when you were here. Um, but Greg served for over a decade as, as our youth pastor and a major part... and was a major part of our pastoral team here. And uh, COVID took a lot of things away from a lot of us. And one of the things that uh, was taken away was the opportunity to give a proper thank you for your years of service here at Whole Life. Um, and so today, uh, we never had the chance to get you up in front of everybody. I think it was still, we were still online and stuff like that when, uh, when the transition took place. And so we wanted you to be up front today um, and to have a chance just to say thank you. Thank you so much for investing your life. Um, people outside of ministry can have a little bit of a glimmer of what it's like to work in ministry, um, but they'll never quite know the sacrifices, the heart, the joys, the, the, the sorrows, the, the things that, that get, that, that just, that are hard sometimes. And so I just wanna say on behalf of, of Whole Life Church, thank you. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Gideon. Um, we're really sad to see you heading off to Kansas City. We know it's a little bit of a homecoming uh, for you, but, uh, but this is always going to be a home for you too. And uh, I'm told that all roads lead back to, to Orlando if you work for Advent Health, so maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll see you again. But um, I would like to invite you as a congregation, if you've appreciated the ministry of, of the Creek family if you've appreciated what they've done here, would you go ahead and give them a standing ovation? I would appreciate that. I'd invite you to, uh, we have a small gift for you, literally a small gift. And uh, I would invite you as a congregation, if you would like to bless this family, I'm gonna put my hands on them and I'd love for you to symbolically raise your hands and place your blessing on them too as they're making this transition. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we wanna thank you so much for Greg, for Gina, for Gideon, 
We thank you for how they've impacted our lives, how they've made this church a better place by their presence. Lord, we thank you for what you have done in their life, what you are doing in their life, and what you will be doing in their life. We pray that as they move to Kansas City, it would be a fantastic moment in their life, that it would, that new opportunities, new things, uh, new friendships, that all that would blossom. We pray for Gideon, that he would flourish and, and thrive and, uh, and really enjoy his new life in Kansas City. Watch over this family, Lord. Uh, keep them in your care. And we pray that uh, you would reunite us again someday soon. We pray in your name. Amen. Family, we love you. Thank you so much for being here. I love you. Go love your world, all right? Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church/podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.